This is why we love racing in all its forms. That's King of Swing fighting though. Oh, he's a superstar, a champion pacer. Untapped holding on. What a win. Untapped from the RSNC. But Gold Trip is brave. 100 to go. A leaf and a half emissary. Gold Trip is going to win the Lexus Melbourne Cup. For the next hour, RSN is cracking the codes. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Cracking the Codes. Feels like it's been ages since I've been here, Simone, because I think we, we missed last week, of course, with the broadcast from uh, the Gold Coast, and I was out at Sandown a couple of weeks ago, so I haven't seen your smiling face, well, I was going to say for a few weeks at least, in here at RSM, but of course, <laughs> I have seen you out at Melton over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, good morning to you, Dan. That's right, I did see you last night, didn't I? Um, briefly, I was out swabbing horses last night, so I love doing that. It's, it's actually really good. I like being... In the stabling area and um, then, yeah, home late and back here this morning. But it's all good. Good to see you in the studio too because, like you said, last week we weren't here and the week before you are at Sandown. So. But we're still missing a team member again, aren't we? Hopefully next week we'll all be back together. Yeah, no doubt. But someone, well, dare I say, is probably having a bit more fun than us. But uh, <laughs> I reckon he'll do enough damage that they won't want to see him for another 12 months. And uh, Sean Cosgrove, he's there with good purpose today. And I'm speaking of Matt Stewart. He is. He's on King Island for my Miners Rest Cup Day, thanks to Taz Racing and the Ladbroke Summer Racing Festival. You can find out more at summerracingfestival.com.au. Maddie Stewart, come on down. Morning, uh, morning, everyone. You've just, you, <laughs> you've just, you've dispatched me to an island in the middle of Bass Strait just to, uh, just to get rid of me. Well, it's no, not it's, Devil's uh, Island, at least, or the old French <laughs> island, is it? Not Exile Island. <laughs> No, that's right. Or Bruni Island, where uh, which is a bit of a former convict settlement down this way as well. Hey, um, it's really great down here. The weather has been so kind. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And uh, the sense of uh, goodwill and purpose is just everywhere. Like, uh, And the logistical exercise from... I'll give Eleanor uh, and Kratzy and uh, Henry Dwyer a massive plug here for making the impossible possible. You wouldn't believe the lengths they've gone to to get people down here, to uh, give them five-star experience, to find houses for them, deserted houses that I'm sitting in a... uh Little old homestead, a little old cottage, uh, which I'm sharing with Declan Maher, Todd Belfer and Aaron Purcell. So you can imagine the sort of hijinks that have been occurring here. Uh, uh, and it's just been a great experience. And, and this countdown to today has been going on ever since that uh, bleak... Uh, um, AGM of the uh, King Island Racing Club back in August and then the oh, we all know the story of the, the salvage job and all that and today's the day of the race day and it's uh, they're going to get a record crowd. Oh, it sounds amazing Matt and you're talking it up and we're sitting here in the studio looking over the Melbourne skyline but the last conversation I had with you was that you didn't have a bed and I said well I'm sure you'll find one somewhere <laughs> so yeah, you've obviously the, the found somewhere to stay. <laughs> The to-be-confirmed with the asterisk has turned into uh, bunking down with uh, two former jumps jockeys and, uh, and, a, and a member of the Mar clan. So, uh, And I actually had to evict Ben Spall and, uh, and Digger uh, yesterday from Racing.com because of a shuffle around. So uh, that didn't go down too well when I threatened to call the cops to get rid of them. But, um, <laughs> well, that was a turnaround. No, that wasn't about face. It's usually no, you'd exactly, expect it the then, other way. <laughs> Well, I feared that the cop might recognise me, so I didn't bother calling him. So, um, But it's it's just the weather and the island. We went to a restaurant last night called Wild Harvest. Uh, uh, Simone, you may like to Google it, whether it's the top restaurant in Australia right now or not. Um, and, uh, yeah, his fa- you know amazing... his face will come up, don't <laughs> yeah. you? I'm amazing right night. Okay. Hey, yeah, you so talked about the, the tight spaces where people are, are sharing at the moment. The difficulty was always going to be accommodation, and obviously uh, for today's program, population does swell. So where are people sleeping? It was incredible. Um, Ellie, L from um, the stable and Kratzy from the stable were in charge of logistics. As Henry Dwyer said last night, he bailed out about three months ago and left it to them. They have found places that, uh, you know, it wasn't like they were all advertised on um, Airbnb or something like that. They literally had to sort of do a lot of uh, reconnaissance to just try and find accommodation and houses that weren't being used and, and things like that. There's a huge crew here. So 
Um, yeah, no, it's been quite amazing and a lot of um, interesting people being matched up, like the crew here, for instance. <laughs> uh, there's two ex-jumps jockeys and they've reminded me repeatedly that I tried to get rid of jumps racing about 10 years ago, so it could have uh, it could have got a bit interesting. Um, but no, we're having a great time and, and it's all, it's only halfway. Well, it's not even halfway because the race meeting's on today, so... Um, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to today's going to be even better than yesterday. So yeah. And what about the horses, Matt? Because that's essentially what everyone is there for: the horse racing. Um, not so much the seafood and the the alcohol, I suppose. But um, we know that it was a, a team of slow horses from Victoria that had been purchased online that had gone over, and um, they the. You know, the theory was that it doesn't matter if they're slow, someone still has to win it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I did hear that there wasn't any world beaters that have come out of those that team of horses. But how are the horses? What is it like for them on the island as well? Well, the, it's a beautiful farming island. And old Jim Taylor, who I'm going to play a grab from him a little bit later on, Dan, in the, in the second hour. And also Chris Diplock, Simone, to get back to your point. Yeah, the horses are all being really beautifully looked after in uh, in a couple of stables here. And... There's kind of two stories. One is the Miners' Cup story of the, the well-known story of the auction and the, uh, uh, the group of Ballarat trainers and the creation of the Miners' Rest Cup, which is being run today. And the other story is Chris Diplock, who is a bit of a journeyman, and we'll hear later on in the second hour when I, when I spoke to him about he's an adventury type of guy. He just, he just thought this was a great concept. Uh, and he basically put a group of horses on a barge at Port Welshpool uh, six or seven weeks ago, 18 hours across Bass Strait, and he's been here for the last six weeks. He sort of immersed himself with the local population, uh, Chris Diplock. So there's that story as well. So, um, no, the horses are all good. They've all been running into each other over the last five or six weeks here. And the, the big issue last night at the Calcutta was which of these slowies will actually win the race. So uh, we haven't quite got, got to the bottom of that one yet. Matty, there was huge money at that Calcutta and they auctioned off uh, shares and horses that bought terrific money for the charities. Add an extra zero. I was, I was talking to Aaron Purcell. I said, mate, if you could have an auction like this for shares in your horses every week, you'd be the richest trader in the world. So everyone was amazingly generous. Like, honestly, the, they were prepared to pay a lot more than the actual value of those, uh, you know, of the horses. And, um, and it's all because of this great sense of uh, goodwill regarding the charity component. I think 25% or something of the of the price goes to charity and, and there are amazing charities on the island like there's an old person's home uh, uh, I think there's the CFA and uh, all sorts of things that these are going being targeted at so uh, Bruce McAvaney was there last night he was just loving it uh, um, uh, he, he was he was he was a very popular person at the pub of course and very popular at the restaurant and and he just he enjoyed I could just tell that he was just absolutely loving it because he walked a lap of the track yesterday and he told me about the nuances of the straight including a slight little rise towards the end and uh, so Macca reckons he's nailed the the right sort of horse to win it we're just going to find what that horse actually is uh, well through the course of the morning there's every chance it's a matter of getting on if we're going to get on you know who we're going to be calling to put it on for us which is dangerous in itself. Matthew. Um, Very. Coming up in the show this morning, we'll be chatting to Blair Orange, New Zealand's champion driver, who's here to drive Copy That, the horse that he's won the New Zealand Cup with for the last two years. And Jared Guthrie uh, will reminisce about his 2013 Paws of Thunder win. And what a fantastic field that is tonight, Simone, which includes Amron Boy uh, and She's a Pearl. Um, amongst others, but uh, it is a wonderful lineup. Uh, it certainly is, Dan. Just what a night of racing at Wentworth Park, though. They've got the National Derby, the National Futurity, the Paws of Thunder, the Summer Distance Plate, which is a Group 2, and the Collison Stakes. So certainly a, an amazing night of racing up at Wentworth Park, and if the weather is anything like it is here up there, they're going to be in for a huge crowd too, I would suggest. So, yeah, terrific field. And Amron Boy, of course, we're cheering him home. But there's a lot of interstate Victorian representation across the races tonight. So looking forward to a great night of racing up at Wentworth Park. Just got an important late scratching through for Randwick. Race 8, number 5, Shillelagh is out. Race 8, number 5, Shillelagh and a late scratching at Randwick. And just before we get to you and uh, uh, get some uh, wonderful guests from King Island, uh, Matt, I received a... a uh, mm. A friend of a friend sent me uh, a message. They were trying to uh, uh, send something to Racing Victoria to say thank you to uh, 
uh, Alana Kelly uh, for what she did at a race day at Stall a couple of weeks ago. And I just thought it was worth making mention for uh, a young lady to go out of her way. And uh, it was at Stall. So uh, the people that went weren't necessarily racing people, but they were a bit of a fan, or the, the young girl, a bit of a fan of Alana. And Alana um, went above and beyond by giving her not only uh, her riding goggles, but she gave her a hug. And even after one of the races, uh, she pointed to her in the crowd, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So anyway, I sent an uh, email address on to Racing Victoria, and also I, I sent it on to, uh, to Alana Kelly. But I think that's fabulous. Sometimes we don't always get that sort of feedback, or at least highlight it, Matt, and particularly yep. with Alana. And I know you're a huge fan of Alana. I think we all are. And, uh, and again, I, I think it represents racing in a very positive light. It's a very simple thing to do but it meant so much to a group of people. Yeah, those small gestures uh, mount up and mean a lot, don't they, Dan? And uh, I think without harping, as I always do, on the, on the, the, the powerful message of the females in racing, uh, you know, the males do that too. Craig Williams is, is fantastic. Yeah. Crowd engagement and, uh, and others have been as well, but it was uh, just a nice gesture from Alana, who's a terrific young lady and a great jockey, as we all know. And, uh, and that little girl um, who... Um, received that uh, bit of affection from Alana on the day. I mean, uh, what a great memory uh, for, you know, to, to be, uh, you know, with a champion jockey like Alana and uh, that little, who knows, this little, you know, you see a lot of those photos of the little kid who met their hero and then uh, 20 years later they are the next champion. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's inspirational, no doubt. As are the people of King Island and you've been able to catch up with some iconic figures uh, on the island, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I went down to the um, the, the famous, now iconic uh, bakery run by Audrey Hamer. She also runs the stock feed and she's the, the boss of the race club as well. And uh, we sat out the front and just picked up people along the way. So I was, initially, we were sitting there with Audrey Hamer, who's misses everything on the island. She's a hero. She's got these crayfish pies down there. Um, and Andrew Jenkins, who's the new CEO of Taz Racing, uh, sidled alongside and then and then this lovely lady, uh, Corin Hill, and then Chris Diplock. But what we'll play now is just a, just a chat I had with Audrey about what they've been through and what the expectations are and a bit about the island. And then Andrew Jenkins is also part of this interview as well. It goes for about eight or nine minutes, and he's giving it a, a bit of a Taz Racing flavour as well. So this is the, the three of us sitting at the front of uh, the bakery uh, at around three o'clock yesterday afternoon. There's a massive influx of mainlanders coming down and they're all uh, queuing up for the crayfish pie. So the bakery's next to the pub on the main drag across the island, uh, across the <laughs> road from the IGA and just up from the port and probably just a few k's from the racetrack and the golf course. So if you can sort of visualise that and all of it's been leading up to this big event tomorrow. Uh, there's, there's been race meetings right through summer, but uh, it's been a very long six months and a very dramatic six months. And I, I'll bring Andrew Jenkins in here as well to talk about uh, Taz Racing's involvement with the, uh, with the Miners' Cup meeting tomorrow. Uh, firstly, back to you, Audrey. The, just, the, 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 just the sense of build-up and the, and the, uh, the roller coaster ride since that uh, board meeting uh, last August. Yeah, that's right. At the uh, AGM, it was looking like we weren't going to go ahead, so I had to think about, you know... Like, Facebook, we do have a lot of followers, you know, so I put it out on Facebook, and the response I had was so overwhelming in such a short time. And then I also personally sent the message to John Cleland, the local vet who was in um, shares with Henry Dewey with a lot of horses, and Henry had been here the year before, loved the place... So I was sort of hoping that Henry might be able to maybe supply a horse again and also maybe some staff. You know, he might be able to get some people to come and live here with a few of us for the, for the three months. I had no idea it was going to snowball into what it has. And the money financially, the support that we have got, I just cannot believe it. It is just amazing. Like, we're so financial now. And, like, and then them going to put all the money into the local charities, like... So all the horses, they're going to be, all the money from the whole season is going to be put into the pool and then it's divided into six charities here on the island. Like, we are benefiting so much. The media hype, the attention, like all the local businesses are profiting from all this. Well, especially us with the bakery, like, <laughs> just happens. And, you know, it is just so overwhelming. We can't thank them enough. Like, it's just amazing. I'll ask you in a moment about the longevity because that's the real issue isn't it whether this is a 
sort of a, a one-off or whether we can get some traction from here and really uh, work on the continuity of the racing in King Island, which goes back over 100 years. And Andrew, you're the, the new CEO of uh, Taz Racing and uh, you've sort of been an observer to what's been going on and then Taz Racing got involved as the momentum continued. Just take us through your take on the situation and what, what's caught your eye and the involvement of Taz Racing in this, uh, in this venture. Oh, look, thanks very much, Matt. It's, um, it's really a pleasure for us to do all we can to get behind Audrey and the King Island Racing Club. As you mentioned, you've got well over 100 years of history and you've got the likes of Jim running around and, you know, 59 years in the game, 12 cups. And we really feel a, a genuine obligation as the principal racing authority uh, on the mainland of, of Tassie to do um, all we can. So as soon as we saw the, uh, the post go out from Audrey and Audrey and Jim jumped on the phone and said, look, we think we're really struggling um, this season. Uh, so we spoke about some things that we could work on together and that included uh, looking after transport costs for horses, we do all the charter flights for, uh, for riders and drivers and, and race day staff and we were straight on the phone to our statewide partner in Ladbrokes uh, and they jumped on board and uh, were terrific in getting behind the Magic Millions Miners Rest Cup so it really has been a, a genuine team Tassie effort and I'm just delighted to, to be here. It's my, my first foray to um, King Island. It's absolutely beautiful. The people are wonderful. I've been made to feel so welcome and, and can't wait to get out to the track tomorrow and help Audrey uh, pull off what is no doubt going to be just a, an awesome day of racing. Audrey, um, the issue was as much uh, a lack of humans as it was horses and it was, a, it was more of a skills shortage than anything else and they all sort of combined together to produce a, a very bleak future and then this situation arose through Henry Dwyer and others but what needs to be done for the long, medium and long term prosperity of, of a racing industry that's been going on for so long? Well we need the younger generation to get their trainer's licence or even you know, come on board, board maybe next season with Jimmy Taylor and a few others to learn the ropes. But the trouble is they've got so much work to do to get their licence. Um, so hopefully there is people that may do that or maybe like Chris Diplock who has actually saved us as well by coming here and training eight horses. Like he's got two of mine and Wayne's, he's got one of, he's got Alpine Skater and he's got two of Shane Bottomley's and three of his own. So that has helped us immensely and he's a, almost a local, he's fitted in really well. But yeah, so we need more people like Chris to come and maybe even live here for the three months or it doesn't even have to be that long. They can bring their horses here at the end of November ready to race like Chris did and um, Bill Hayes from New South Wales, he came here on the 17th of December to have a look. He, has, he is so keen, he rang me the other day to wish us luck for today. He is still wanting to come with six gallopers and two paces next year. He said he's happy to live in his truck. Um, all he needs is a shower and toilet, so I said he could use the facilities at the race course. So if there's more people like that, we will continue racing. And he's also offered to help Danny with the, you know, like with the sprinkling and any maintenance. He said he'll be here. And so if we get more people like that, and then if he, you know, like, and we can get um, still locals to help them. So, but like we keep saying, we can get the horses. And thank you to Taz Racing, Bass Island Line and Eastern Line Shipping you know, helping with the cost of getting those here. It's actually cost the owners nothing in the end because Taz Racing paid everything that um, the, the discounted cost from um, the shipping services. So we just need all that to continue. Andrew, I'm not sure about the historic relationship between Tasmania and, and King Island and the, the connection between Taz Racing, but What's required now? A lot of these horses, uh, Chris Tiplock and uh, uh, Henry Dwyer and so on, it's, it's, they've come from the mainland. How do you envisage the relationship might, might be assisted uh, with what the Victorians are doing through, through Tasmania? I know it's difficult because uh, there's a barge that comes from Port Welshpool, but just the, the potential connection between Tasmania and King Island in the future? Yeah, look, that's right, Matt, and that's um, something that we're really keen to build on after the concept that's been brought to bear for um, for this year. As Audrey's uh, already touched on, Henry and the uh, the other five trainers that have, have come along have done an amazing job and been incredibly supportive. So, you know, our responsibility now as TAS Racing is to um, learn from uh, what goes really well this year and make sure we've got uh, the right planning in place uh, well in advance of what we're doing for next year and, and the years after so that we can give Audrey and everyone on, um, on the island confidence that we're going to have um, a seven or eight meeting season year in and year out. 
And Audrey, just the island itself flying in, it, uh, it just sort of sticks out of nowhere, doesn't it? And then suddenly you're there and there's a lot of, uh, obviously there's a lot of farming, you can tell by the, the divide, dividing up of the land and so on, and this beautiful little town here as well. Uh, what, what is it about King Island? What's, what's the attraction to King Island? Taking away the races and the golf, just what's the heart and soul of King Island? Oh, look, just growing up here, it's just been, everyone is always so friendly. Um, going through school was great, you know, and then I went away to school for a year and I was very, you know, shy. And it's just, everything is just so much busier off the island. But, you know, like people say, oh, you don't have much of the shops here and the cost of everything is much more expensive. But then we don't have to go very far, like for fuel-wise. You know, like you go and shop away there's this, this places in outback country that they pay the same as what we are here and if, if you do need anything like especially owning the businesses if you need have a breakdown and need anything quickly you just ring a supplier in Victoria we have so many flights a day that come here we're isolated but we're not if you know what I mean like there goes Chris Diplock now hi Chris <laughs> um, yeah so I do it's just easy lifestyle like I don't even have it, I shouldn't say it on TV, on radio, but I don't even have a key to my back door. So. What's your address? <laughs> not telling. But, you know, like you don't have to lock your cars and, you know, and one night we for, forgot to lock the bakery. And um, it must have been a Friday night because the police rang me at about two o'clock in the morning and said, oh, I'm standing in your bakery. I said, how come? They said the door was open, but everything was fine, you know, like, um, yeah, so it's just uh, everyone trusts everyone, everyone is friendly with each other, and just a camaraderie, like people, you know, help out each other, and like the good old barter system, and yeah, it's just lovely, like our daughter has come back to live here, she was in Hobart, just the much easier lifestyle, and it is expensive to get off the island, like the politicians come here and say, oh, what can we do for King Island? I said, well, put the cost of the flights down to Tasmania because I've still got family over there. Sean and Jemima are there with the two kids. It's so expensive to get off the island. Absolutely. And the cost of shipping, you know, like we are in, we're freight forwarders and it's $240 a cubic metre plus GST for the freight. And all that cost then goes on to the horse trainers for the, for the price of the feed, you know, like, well, I think it's 40 or something dollars for a bag of chaff. Like, it's a lot of money. So there are challenges, obviously, uh, if you live on somewhere as isolated as King Island, but the people are very, very happy and it's a wonderful place. And as we were sitting there, uh, an old mate of uh, Audrey's uh, toddled along and sat beside us and her name was Coralyn Hill. And she's been part of the local community and part of the race club for a long, long time. And uh, she's got a nice, nice connection via her, her husband, Ray, uh, and other family members. So this, is, this was Coralyn. Coralyn, Audrey has, you've just wandered past and we've dragged you in because Audrey says you've been a member of the club for a very long time. Your husband was a jockey, so I thought we'd have a chat to Coralyn. Yeah. So you going to the races tomorrow? I think I might be. Yeah. <laughs> I think you might. So how long have you lived on the island? Oh gosh, I don't know now, about 30, 40 years now. Hmm. My parents came here as soldier settlers way back. So what was the story with the, the early settlement in, in that sense? Were there, there a lot of soldier settlers on the island? Is that how the, the, the population flourished? Oh, I think it was a big boost to the to this population, yes. But growing up in New South Wales, I wasn't real keen on leaving up there and coming down here, but I found out it's quite a nice place. You've got a long history of going to the races on King Island, haven't you? I have, I have, yes. Did your husband, Ray, ride at the island? And his twin brother and... Another brother, older brother, Graham, and Ron and Ray rode here, yes. And oh, they rode in Melbourne, yes, three of them. Okay. So what sort of trick uh, did they have in the King Island Cup, the brothers? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. <gasps> but they rode a few times, yes, yeah. So the, the desperate situation of the race club going back a few months and then this uh, effort to, to get things going, courtesy m no more than Audrey and, and the people on the island, but with a bit of help from the mainland and from Tassie as well, well how worrying was it when news came out that uh, the, the future was in, in jeopardy of the races on the island? Well, we were all distraught to think that it might fall apart because we... We'd kept it going for such a long, long time and been part of it for so long, yes, yeah. All our family, yeah. Was it hard to keep it going at times? Has it been a real battle over the years? I can't say it was a battle for me personally, but, I mean, we just kept supporting and we 
buying, you know, getting horses here to race and that sort of thing and still helping with the, the training of them. I mean, I don't nowadays, but before when I could be licensed and touch them, I would be able to wash them down and that sort of thing, but I don't do any of that now. Got to keep them young'uns on the island, don't you, to get the next generations coming through? Well, but when we had our son, the first thing his father said, he will never be a jockey, his feet are too big, and he is, he's really six foot, isn't he, Rick? And he'd be slim enough, but not interested in horses. Apparently Jim Taylor was uh, about 13 when he first started off. How old was Ray? Oh, I don't remember. I was in New South Wales then. But he was young, and they went away to... Victoria and did their apprenticeships around the Nord, you know, 16, 17, 18, I think, yes, three of them. Yeah. Is there a better place to live on earth than King Island? Not nowadays. I didn't think in the first place, like growing up in New South Wales, I wasn't coming down that spot in the middle of Bass Strait. But yes, I went to Launceston and did teacher training and over there and actually married and was widowed over there and so I was coming backwards and forwards here and now like I say I've had 40 years or so with Ray yeah but my son from the first marriage and our son now they both work down at the kelp factory oh um, our son worked on a fishing boat for a long time yeah so that's a good is thing. that one of the more dangerous professions jockey or worship working on a fishing boat in Bass Strait what would uh, what would uh, what would be the more dangerous pursuit do you think <laughs> Oh, I don't know, possibly horse racing. <laughs> no, I didn't like. I don't like the water. I'm not a very good swimmer, but no. But my husband, when lucky, he. I mean, he had the falls and that sort of thing, but not badly hurt or anything. No. Have you tried the crayfish pie? I don't like crayfish at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, good note to end on. Thanks, Coral. Uh, that's fantastic, Matt. Uh, it sounds like you've made some dear friends. Yeah, uh, just lovely salt of the earth sort of uh, sort of people, and uh, yeah, Coralin had a obviously a, a, a very uh, difficult life story, as you can hear, with being mm. widowed and lived on the island, and, and you know, look, th these people are all obviously aged. But there's a lot of school kids and young kids running around. So you, when you're flying, you think, gee, could I live in such isolation? And then when you land and you get surrounded by uh, everything, you sort of lose that sense of isolation. So, yeah. yeah, so hopefully it'll all work out really well today and we'll have a couple of more grabs uh, later on from uh, on race day morning from 11 to 12. Yeah, look forward to that, uh, Matt. I've been to King Island before and I know it's a, it's a fantastic place. It was a little while since I've been there. But as you say, the, 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 it, it opens up uh, your horizons about what you think about uh, King Island and it is, it's a magic place and I'm sure if you haven't already had a ball um, you will continue to do so throughout the course of your trip Matt um, we're going to take a break now we're going to talk to New Zealand's champion driver Blair Orange after the break uh, as he drives a copy that uh, tonight but as we go into the break it's Petstock Ballarat Cup night and one of the great winners, a two time winner of the race was Smolder. Smolder the one to beat, he's got a six metre lead, Lazarus is second then it is Billy and Lenny the Shark off the back in 27.6. It's Smolder, six metres clear. Lazarus is second, Lenny the Shark third. Smolder the one to catch. Lazarus six metres away. Then Lenny the Shark. It's still Smolder 100 to go. Lazarus can't get him. Smolder's going to do it again. Smolder from Lazarus. Smolder back to back in the Ballarat Cup. Smolder beat Lazarus. Lenny the Shark third. This is RSN, cracking the codes. Orange now goes for copy that as they turn for home. A length and a half on South Coast Arden. Self-assured needs to get busy as copy that went for home at the 200. Two and a half clear of self-assured and South Coast Arden. It's copy that cup though. Chew up ladies, he's done it. Copy that won the New Zealand Cup by two and a half on self-assured. South Coast Arden runs third and still the show ran the race of his life. Well, if there was a vote for Mr New Zealand, I'd say it's Blair Orange because he's won three of the last four New Zealand Cups on target for six uh, consecutive premierships. Uh, he's the man of the moment and it's great to see. And he also drives a copy of that in tonight's Petstock Ballarat Pacing Cup. And it's a pleasure to have him on RSN this morning. How are you, Blair? Yeah, morning, Dan. Good, thanks, mate. Great to have you on. It's been a while, um, but uh, wow, you've got a really good connection with the Aussies over the years, haven't you? Um, three of your four uh, New Zealand Cup winners have been owned by Aussies, and 
I'm going back a while and I'm starting to forget, but I, I do remember putting you on an Aussie trained horse winning on New Zealand Cup about uh, New Zealand Cup Day about 20 years ago. It might have kicked it all off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, my hanger, mate. We'll never forget that day. But uh, yeah, the Aussie connection's been pretty pretty fruitive to me. So uh, yeah, definitely can't complain. You started off early stages of your career. You're a pretty good rugby uh, player, weren't you? And and there were it seemed like there were options that you might have gone down the athletic road and, and playing rugby. So how difficult was that? I think you went to Australia at one stage, didn't you, to try out? Yeah, I was pretty keen on the league, Dan. Um, you know, had a bit of success back in New Zealand and made a few representative teams. And, you know, I came across Aussie and, uh, you know, had a wee dabble in trying to get some contracts. But unfortunately, me, uh, my 56 kgs just wasn't quite bulky enough for it and um, yeah nothing really eventuated so yeah turned my hand to the, to the racing Now you, you've been involved with a, a lot of great stables in fact the CV for the people you've worked with in harness racing in particular is a who's who, always been good friends I know Mark Jones, Dexter Dunn had great rivals with, with them when I first met you I think you'd come from the, the butts but w- was working at Mark Purden's but even since then gee whiz you've built up some experience with uh, the very best in, in harness racing yeah, I had some good grounding, Dan. Um, obviously, I started my, my stable life with Tim Button. Obviously, Anthony was there as a mentor with the driving. And, you know, Tim really gave me a good go as a kid and, and sort of got me trucking along. And, yeah, I had some dabbles and some other stables along the way, Kevin Townley and Michael House. And, um, obviously, linked up with Mark for a decade. And, you know, that was really the, the icing on the cake. And taught me how to drive a good horse, really. So, yeah, now with Kim Barron, it's working out well. And, yeah, just been pretty lucky with the, some of the connections I've managed to um, to link up with. Hey, Blair, just on the um, the All-Stars and the Purdens, uh, just for, for our local listeners who aren't aware of where they're at now, I remember they uh, sensationally decided to call it quits and go their own way, Natalie and uh, and Mark. Uh, but, but what's the latest with uh, the All-Stars over there? Yeah, well, Nathan's obviously come back home and he's linked up with, with Mark and they're now in a training partnership, Mark and Nathan, and you know they've started the season off well with a, a wee few winners here and there, and you know they're going to carry on in partnership for the rest of the season, the two of them. And Blair, with the Ballarat Cup tonight, um, obviously the weather's the weather's perfect. You've got a, a terrific horse in copy that, but I've been watching a few New Zealand races during the week when Dan said that you're a guest on the show, and there's some glaring differences in the racing between. Uh, Australia and, and New Zealand and the standing stars is a lot more over in New Zealand as well which makes it really interesting one at Melton last night which is great to see but some of the races are in the anti-clockwise or clockwise anti-clockwise direction anti-clockwise, yeah. um, Alexandra Park yeah and on grass um, so when you come over to Victoria is it exciting to have some of these changes or is it fairly straightforward for you and fairly similar uh, no, obviously the, the racing in Australia, it's a different pattern of racing, different style and, you know, there's a bit more aggression over in Australia than, than what seems to be at home sometimes. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a challenge and something I'm looking forward to. Hey, Blair, just a, just a quick interjection for me. Uh, times in New Zealand compared to Australia, it was interesting during the Inter-Dominion series where people were talking about the, 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 the faster times they're running now, the difference in times, say, at Menangle and Tabcourt Park, Melton and places like that. What, has, have the times kept coming down at the same rate in New Zealand, like the mile rates and so on, as they have in Australia in the last 10 or 15 years? Oh, for de- definitely, you know. I think it starts back with, you know, the, our tracks are a lot better. Um, you know, obviously the sulkies have changed a lot and uh, and the breed trains changed a lot to, um, you know, not that old sort of tough-style breed that everyone once had. And, you know, now there's a lot of speed being bred into them and definitely the times are dropping everywhere, no matter if you're uh, Australia, New Zealand, America. I think, you know, it's, um, records have been broken everywhere and they'll continue to be, I think. Blair, um, you know, I've been a part of New Zealand Cup Day 4 for a long period of time and the first time I went there, I just couldn't believe how huge it was. When I say New Zealand Cup, I mean the New Zealand Trotting Cup, the Harness Race Day, the the week in Christchurch. There's the three cups, three New Zealand Cups uh, within the three codes. But the the Harness Day is, uh, it's massive. It's, It's 
it's on a slightly smaller scale to what you'd see at Flemington. Um, so the aspirations for anyone in New Zealand, uh, and particularly in harness racing, that would be the dream, I imagine, uh, is to win a New Zealand Cup. So how far back did your dream go? Remembering you've now won three of the last four Cups. Yeah, I think it's every every kid's dream to win the, to win the Cup. And as you said, it's, it's such a prestigious day in Canterbury. And um, I think everyone that does does attend the event, you know, it's, it's a bucket list thing and they walk away happy. And, you know, just just the atmosphere, the crowd, and, you know, people come from anywhere just for that day. And it's one of our biggest sporting events in New Zealand for, for that day. So, yeah, it's always a dream just to have a drive in the race, let alone win it. You know, as a kid, you watched a lot of your heroes win the race and always thought, geez, that would be good. And, you know, to, to have actually done it was just another thing and something that'll never leave me. And obviously you need the horse in front of you to carry you to those victories, Blair. Copy that tonight. Um, what is it about 20 to 11 now? How is, he, how is he this morning? What can you give our listeners? Can you give them any more insight into him going into tonight's race and how he looks and feels this morning? Uh, I wish I could, actually, but I haven't long got out of bed. So. <laughs> you flew in this morning, did you? I <laughs> uh, flew in last night, actually. So just staying with a mate of mine, Anthony Button. Uh, you know, having a long surface, had a good sleep in. So, uh, so you're primed. Pretty happy. <laughs> you're primed, yeah. we just don't know about yeah, the wash I'm yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, nice, I'm nice and refreshed and ready. So uh, I don't know if I look good, but I feel good. Oh, I'm sure you'll be fine. I think it's uh, just to come here with the one drive is refreshing enough. When I uh, got in touch with you on Thursday, I think there was 11 races at Ascot Park down south and, and Blair had almost a full book. So, And it was a long day. I think when I got out of bed, your first race was on. When I was going to bed, your last race was on, Blair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a long day, mate. We actually had to come home by road to uh, get the flight out. So it was a pretty full-on day, but we got through it. Now, copy that, uh, when he came here through the middle of the year, we clearly didn't see the best of him, but uh, bookending uh, either side, he's won New Zealand Cups. And I guess the question begs uh, for tonight, at least, Blair, are we going to see the, the proper copy of that or a reflection of what we saw mid-year? No, it's a fair comment. I don't, I don't think you have seen the best of him. And, um, I believe tonight you will. Um, some of those races off the marks, he's was outstanding in, in Auckland and, you know, um, New Zealand Cup run was very good and I think he's a different horse from, from what he's been um, over here and I, I really do think you'll see the best of him and, you know, I think he'll stand up tonight and show you. Now, the bloke you're staying with, right, he's got a got a pinch on a really good record of driving Hunter Cup winners. Be careful. If the horse goes really well tonight, um, <clears throat> just be careful. Make sure someone else books the flight back from New Zealand for Hunter Cup night, because you know what answer's like. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, uh, <laughs> no, he's had great success in all those races, but um, no, I'll be taking his phone off him so he can't, can't, can't pinch it. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Blair, also, how much time do you put into watching replays of the horses that you're racing against tonight? Obviously, you've got enough horses to be watching and um, doing the form on back home, but... Knowing what the drivers do here and and how the horses go, do you have to really study that because you're coming from another country? Oh, for sure. I actually lied in bed this morning and went through a few replays of the last few weeks. I've obviously Cranbourne winning the other week and um, he's a Meister winning the week before and watched all those replays and looked at their gate speed and what they've done through the run. And Yeah, so I really hopped into it this morning and, and done a lot of form and, and research, so... Yeah, the more you know, the better you are, I suppose. Well, hey, Blair, just a quick one. Um, th- th- there seems to be a lot more of a, a connection and a crossover in New Zealand between the gallops and the trots. The trots people know the gallops people and vice versa. And uh, James McDonald, I'm not sure whether you're of his vintage, but you're the James McDonald of the sulky and he's the James McDonald of the saddle. Do you Have you followed his career? Have you had much connection to, to James McDonald, even back in, the, in, in his junior days in New Zealand? No, I've never really met James. Um, obviously, um, follow, followed his career. It's um, been magical. And uh, Dexter's actually good friends with him, um, knows him quite well. And obviously the two pin-up boys of the sports. But, um, yeah, I do follow the gallops a lot. I love the gallops. I always have a share in one or two. But, yeah, I see James is riding over home today at the Crack Million. So Dexter's up there, and I'm sure they'll have a beer together. 
Yeah, but they will. Two champions have represented uh, New Zealand uh, pretty well, haven't they? Um, and so too have you, Blair, and it's great to have you in Oz because you haven't really made that many trips over the years to Australia, in particular to Victoria. So uh, I'm sure uh, a win tonight or any, any race ahead over the next couple of weeks involving copy that would be a major breakthrough for you again. Most definitely. Um, I think the only place I've driven in Victoria was Horsham on a, on a driver's series, but been to uh, a couple of tracks just as a spectator over here, but um, yeah, haven't had a lot of driving over here, but bits and pieces along the way, but as you say, looking forward to the night. Yeah, no, it's terrific, and a terrific field tonight, and just having the Kiwis involved just adds so much uh, to this race tonight and the history of the Ballarat Cup with some of the great horses, uh, particularly that had come over with uh, with Mark Purden and, and Tim and Anthony, but, uh, and there could be another Kiwi that's added to that list tonight, Blair. It's been a pleasure talking to you this morning. I'll, I'll give you a wave if I don't bump into you tonight at Ballarat. No, that'll be good, Dan. Pleasure, Matt. Blair Orange, their champion driver. He's uh, well and truly on top to uh, to win his sixth uh, New Zealand Premiership this year and two-time or three-time New Zealand Cup-winning driver over the last uh, four years. Got an extraordinary record, and he's also a wonderful human being, which is great to see. We'll take a short break, and we're going to have a chat with Jared Guthrie, who uh, part-owned, uh, is it Shaker or Shaker, who took out the Paws of Thunder and created a great moment for Jared and the Connections. Set and ready. And racing, Shaker began fairly with Cavendish, Flyer Street by Tommy in between them, fully advanced, they were followed by Umu, Bayron Bales nailed to the rails, trying to get a run through but couldn't, Grand Shaker went to the lead, they were followed by Ritza Ryder and Umu, down the back, it's Shaker on top, it's four in front of Cavendish, Flyer, Imri Bale followed by fully advanced, Bayron Bale as well, back street by Tommy, followed by Ritza Ryder and Umu, on the corner, Shaker in front, after an Imri Bale with Cavendish, Flyer, Shaker's in front, holding them all at bay, and Shaker Shaker wins. Shaker has got the prize by a length on the line. Cavity's fly. Loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Maliki, and Simone Fisher. Cracking the codes. Ronnie, I've never been so excited in my life. I can't believe it. I spoke to Debbie Cannon when she won the Australian Cup with St. Pierre. And Debbie said to me, I just wish everyone in Greyhound Racing could get this feeling once in their life. And that's, I couldn't say anything different. I wish everyone could feel like that is, to buy a, a little pup for $3,000 at the Dapto auction two years ago, and you come back here and win $100,000, pause the thunder, beat a quality field. And to John and Minnie Finn, that is absolutely sensational what they've done with our guest this morning, our greyhound guest, Jared Guthrie. And Jared, gee, that must bring back some memories. Ten years ago, almost to the day when Shaker took out the paws of thunder and it was really a dream come true. And you can certainly hear the emotion in your voice in that little clip. Good morning to you, Jared. G'day, Simone. Uh, how are you going? Thanks for that. Yeah, no, great, um, great memories. And, yeah, certainly listening back to it, yeah, you can hear the, hear the emotion that was... I guess that's what we're in the sport. You know, everyone in racing dreams of Group 1. Uh, winning one, and it was um, even now I sort of still pinch myself. Really, I look at the photo on the wall, and, and it did happen, I guess. But yeah, you still, you still um, never really get your head around it. When you've got a good animal, if you're ever lucky enough to have one, Jared, uh, you're in the moment. You know what races they're set for. There's a bit of preparation, as much as it's a dream come true. But when they're gone, they're almost impossible to uh, to replace. And I think uh, every anniversary of the Paws of Thunder, uh, it must make you you know emotional and teary, and that the memory of it probably becomes more and more precious every year. Yeah, I think so, Dan. It does bring back the memory, and you turn the... Um the replay comes out, probably pours the thunder time again. I often flick back and, and have another look. And um, as I mentioned, I've got the photo on the wall. So you, you look at that a little bit. And um, yeah, it's just a, just a, the whole thing. Like she, she always had a lot of ability, but to, didn't look like she was probably going to deliver it. And John Finn, probably one of the greatest um, trainers of all time, just got, got at a peak at the perfect time. And um, yeah, one of the big ones on the Australian calendar. Certainly was one of the big ones and one of the great names to the Paws of Thunder. You mentioned the photo on the wall in, in my uh, my office, my study. Um, I've got a photo there. It's actually the photo I referred to before with Blair Orange winning uh, a race on New, the feature trot on New Zealand uh, Trotting Cup Day, which is pretty amazing. And so it's there, right there, front and centre. And, um, you know, that was 
20 years ago. So uh, it's just as precious. And I, so I could just imagine that photo. I mean, uh, it, it just means so much, doesn't it? The memory. And um, I'm sure the money's been well and truly spent by now. But it shows the love of the game and the preciousness of what you're involved in for you and your family. Sorry, yeah. For you and your family. Yeah, no, for sure. And I sort of, at the time, I, I shared it with uh, Peter Davis, who was a uh, Greyhound media guy. Uh, with, we were good friends and a good, another good friend of mine. That was his first Greyhound. There were three of us that were in the ownership, and that was quite quite special um, to, to do it with friends. I think Peter made that point that night. And um, even the way we came up with it, Peter had bought it at the Dapto auction. Then I was actually working at the sale um, as a host, and we were sort of talking afterwards, having a beer after the... The auction was finished, and we ended up going halves, and then brought another friend in, and um, for, yeah, for three thousand dollars to had a lot of fun. That's for sure. Jared, tell us about the the Dapto auction. I've not heard of uh, the Dapto auction before. Uh, are these sort of common sort of events? Tell us about that that particular uh, auction. Yeah, it used to be a um, an annual event. It's sort of gone by the wayside the last few years with well, different reasons, I guess, with um, the industry in New South Wales. Um, it was sort of like a Magic Millions type scenario. You bought a bought a pup at the auction, and then she they became eligible for a, um, a series of, of races, um, sort of bonus races. Yeah, that you had to go through the sale. And Sheikah was actually um, she was bought by the, the Dapto Club. Bought her to put her in the sale. They wanted a few well-bred lots that sort of guaranteed the genuine sale because you have had a bit of a buyback. Back to where um, breeders would put their dogs in and just buy them back to be eligible for the races. But um, yeah, that's sort of the only reason we were able to purchase it because she was a genuine sale. She was very well bred. She was a, a three quarter sister to a dog called High Earner that was um, at the time he was Australian Greyhound Racing's highest um, prize money winner. So um, that's how her, her name came about. Sheik was a, a, like a um, a wife of a sheik or a, a female in, a, in, a, in one of those um, families. Yeah. Ah, hey, just with the buyback part of it, is that the reason yep. why the sale didn't continue? Um, it sort of it was a negative to it, but I don't, I don't think it was the main reason. I just think that when, when the industry was going to be um, closed in New South Wales or the, the government come up with that idea that I think a lot of the breeding um, basically stopped, so there probably wasn't the um, availability of stock to, um, to make it yeah, sort of worthwhile going ahead. And, uh, it was a great way to get people into the sport, yeah, like when, when it was. And hopefully um, now the sport's flying again, they can get something like it going again. And we had the Bendigo auctions here in Victoria at one stage too that were attempting to do the same thing. But with Sheikah, um, the Group 1 Paws of Thunder, she was a finalist in the Temley and also the Golden Easter mm. Egg, Jared. She yep. made just over $120,000, but yep. I know... the. Probably the money wasn't on the board. She had this feature race, but she certainly gave you thrills more than worth that, didn't she? Well, she did, Simone. When when we got her and um, she broke in quite well, and I was just excited when John Finn said he'd train her. Like, you know, with John's reputation, he only takes fast dogs. And then when you when you're talking to him and he's saying, telling us he's as fast, she's as fast as any dog in the kennel, and trial wise at least, and that sort of thing. And she was a bit frustrating if you look at her form. There, she sort of. Um, was up and down a fair bit. Box manners weren't a strength. But um, John always said to me that if she ever gets to the front, she'll never get run down. And that in the pause of thunder when she was in front, I, <laughs> I didn't want to get too excited. But that was <laughs> for 30 seconds. That was the only thought I had in my head. John, John had told me she'll never get run down in a race. Um, he was spot on. <laughs> he certainly knew what he was talking about. And just a little bit about your career too, Gerard. Um, you, were yeah. ra- you were working at the time for the Greyhound Recorder. You're a journalist. Obviously, yeah. now you're down with um, Greyhound Racing Victoria. But... Yep. It must have been hard to contain yourself that week. Um, you know, you're having to talk about, write about your dog um, as yeah. well as the other seven in the field. That must have been just an experience in itself. Yeah, it was a funny, funny week, Simone. Like, and, and just the whole the period when she was racing was quite funny because, you know, I've, I've been in the sport for a long time and at that point I, I still had as well. So I, I'd got to know a lot of people. I'd spoke to them um, when they're winning big races and in big races and, you get genuine pleasure out of seeing people. That's one of the great things about the job, when you get to know people and you see them win and, and you want them to do well. And, and to be on that happening to you, to you being part of it and, and um, having those experiences, like I mentioned with Debbie Cannon on the, the clip you mentioned, it's just um, you really do know what you're talking. You know, when you when you speak to people when they win a big race, you do know that feeling and it um, just puts another um, dimension to it. 
Yeah, it certainly does, and there's some great Victorian representation tonight, and another terrific yeah. field, French Martini drawing the red. Of course, we'll be all yep. on Amron Boy, but um, yep. she's a pearl jumping from box eight for Jodie Lord. I mean, she's a group one winner as well. So it's an exciting night of racing up there in, in Sydney, but um, certainly, like we mentioned before, Jared, just brings back those memories, and hard to believe 10 years ago, and I actually ran mm. into Peter Davis at the Phoenix um, oh, okay. last month, and I hadn't seen him for quite a while, and you know, he had to do a second take. Oh, that's Peter Davis. He does send me through the uh, the finish on, I think it's called. Every week he sends me oh, yeah, some info yep. yeah, um, yep. of what's happening up in New South Wales. But look, no. it's it's been great having you join us this morning no. on Cracking great the Great memories tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just re- reminiscing about a terrific dog. Of course, it is a feeling that we'd all love to experience, but it doesn't happen for everyone. So it's great that you can talk about yours this morning. Yeah, it's probably only going to happen once, so you soak it up. I was a little bit embarrassing when I think about how I carried on after. <laughs> I remember poor, poor Mark Gatt, who's a good friend of mine, another trainer, get a runner in the race, and he was the closest to me. I just grabbed him and hugged him when we were jumping up. But he, to Mark's credit, he was jumping up and down with me. <laughs> he was happy. So, yeah, but anyway, that, that's what we do. We can't, um, we're in it for that, and when, it, when you get to um, celebrate something like that, you make the most of it, I guess. Yeah, look, you, you weren't the first and you won't be the last, but um, <laughs> thanks for joining us on Cracking the Codes this morning, Jared. No, thanks so much, Simone. Appreciate it. And I, I think there's two places you can get away with looking like a, a nuffy, uh, and that one's on the dance floor, <laughs> and the other one is if you're in the winner's circle of uh, of winning a race. It doesn't matter where it is, to be quite truthful. No, I think you're absolutely right. Well, Matt, while you're soaking it up at King Island with the terrific um, races there today, and there's racing all around the country, but tomorrow, Dan, at Geelong, there's another very, very... Well, there's two very special yes. races, I must say, and... Um, one is the Pony Trots, but I think it is going to be upstaged tomorrow by the Dash Hound Dash. And there's yep. about 40 Dash Hounds yeah. that are going to be racing at Geelong. So sausage dogs. So if you bring the buns, I'll bring the uh, the sauce, Matt. Is there any mail going around? There could be, uh, but I think you've got to get on track to find out. I'm not sure if there's bookies there, but you never know. We can organise something. That's at twilight tomorrow, 5.27, the first actual harness race. But I think it's uh, wonderful. It's a dog day, yep. afternoon, evening. And I've been looking forward to it, uh, to see how that runs and just to get the families on the track. There's one thing, if you can ever get an opportunity to bring your uh, pet uh, to the racetrack, it sounds odd when you say it that way, but it's a family engagement, Matt. The whole family yeah. will go if you're able to take your dog. And the, the Daxans are there. And we refer to them as sausage dogs or Dachshunds or uh, Dach, uh, Dachshounds or Dachshunds. It's actually a German word. And it's, for, though, it's the badger dog. They used yeah. to be used for hunting badgers. So that's where that yeah. came from. And I, and, and I don't think there's going to be any risk of high-speed incidents or anything in the race. So <laughs> I think it's a 20-metre straight run. So it's not very far. But for a little dog with little legs... It's probably like the length of the straight. It'll be uh, be a lot of fun. So that's at uh, at Geelong, Geelong Harness tomorrow. 5.27 is the first harness event. Uh, Matt, you'll be back to join me yep. in a second. So if you want to get another one of those lobster or crayfish pies and have a bite oh, for me and I, Simone. I've got this oh, horrible this, feeling I'm going to go through the whole trip and accidentally not have one of those pies. I keep missing my opportunity. So... <laughs> We'll see. You can get them frozen, Simone. I might be able to return one of those gifts to you. I might uh, come back with a, a frozen pie. I don't eat it. I'm with um, Coral Lynn. I don't eat seafood. So um, you can bring back one back for Dan, perhaps. Yeah, more for us, I think, uh, Matt. I, I don't mind the sound of that. Um, I'll get a four-pack. Simone, uh, thank you. We'll be back here on Australia Day as well. We are just yeah. having a chat, Matt, about maybe a theme, maybe a bit of an Australiana, some of the, the Australian uh, champions that have represented us uh, overseas. So give us something mm. to think about, but we'll be back for Cracking the Codes on Thursday, yeah, We certainly will. Terrelgan Cup final Thursday night as well. But um, thank you, Matt. You enjoy your, you, your weekend at King Island, or, yeah, your weekend and the racing today, and I will see you next week. Thanks, Dan. Absolutely. See you, boys. Thanks, Simone. And uh, shortly, I'll be back with uh, with Maddie Stewart in King Island, but we'll also have a chat to uh, Marty Sinan about today's uh, Mooney Valley track. Ron Duffessy is going to join us uh, with uh, the look at Randwick. Also, we'll preview the meeting uh, today in Hong Kong with Tom Wood and David Moran, re-Ballarat Cup. He's got uh, Honolulu Bay, who he drives in the feature event uh, tonight. All that and perhaps a little bit more coming up shortly.